Welcome back to the Gathering Place of All Nations. This Sunday morning, Dr. Josh Nikonen talked about the importance of a right brain thinking in a left brain world. This was such an empowering message, and I'm excited for you to hear it. Let's check in. First off, I want to give honor where honor is due, obviously, to Pastor John and Pastor Victoria for giving me the opportunity to speak. I always think this is kind of a, a crazy thing. When I pull into the driveway, first thing I always say is like, oh, look, Annie, there's cars. People are actually coming to listen to me. So I find it pretty amazing, actually. Um, but to the tech crew, oh my gosh, we tried to get here early. And so I had, I've been working on this presentation for a while. I have a lot of slides. And so I was supposed to get here early. And I think by the time I dealt with the dog and got the kid dressed and combed his hair <laughs> and we got ready, I think it was like five minutes before the service. So, so I really give uh, Johnny and the team a lot of uh, respect and thanks for getting everything ready because that was uh, super, super duper helpful. So, um, yeah, so when I was getting this, this talk ready, um, I, Ezra, he'd always kind of climb over my shoulders and see what I'm doing and all the rest. And, and he says, Dad, he said, uh, he said, all you need to say is, is God loves you and you love God and then you're done. And I'm like, that's pretty much it. So I could probably finish it there, um, but I'm going to go a little bit more detail. So today I'm going to do a little bit different than what I normally do. You, if you've heard me speak before here at the church every day, it's like the third time, which is pretty amazing, actually, which is pretty fun. Um, I always like to be very interactive and show some great stuff and things to do as far as that you can incorporate exercises, that kind of stuff. Today is kind of completely way out of my comfort zone. Um, and like Pastor John said, this God started really kind of downloading this message before he even asked me. So, or the, the morning of, which is pretty crazy. So, um, so a little bit of, the, of what I'm going to share today is stuff that um, I'm processing myself. I'm still walking through. Um, so I hope you kind of take that with, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. So I'm still still, still going through it myself. Um, but um, it's pretty profound stuff and stuff that, that I has, has tr completely transformed a lot of the way that I think, but also how I'm practicing in my office and everything like that. So which is a, it's a really cool thing. So <clears throat> the title of my sermon really is Living Heaven to Earth, right? Um, if you look at my journal, my wife's telling me to slow down. I get excited. My, I do. I do talks. I'm going to step away from the podium. Um, when I do talks in my office, I do Monday night doctor reports, and I do wellness reports like once a week too as well. And my, my, a lot of my seniors, they are like, Doc, Doctor Josh, we love you, but you talk too fast. And so the problem is, I get excited and I talk. So I'll try to slow it down a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, so the topic is living, living heaven to earth. And in my journal, every day I have a, uh, I have a, um, a positive affirmation that I write on my journal every day. And I'll share it with you. It's, it's something that I've been doing for a while, and God's been adding to it as, I, as it goes. But I always write, um, today's going to be the best day ever. I'm blessed and highly favored. I will see the glory of the Father today and heaven and earth. Heaven invade earth. My name is blessed, and I'm victorious. That's what I write every day, right? And that's just to, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about today, something that I'm going to get, get you guys to, uh, to start to do. So living in heaven and earth, that's kind of been my wife and I, something that we have really uh, we strive for, and, and, and it's kind of how we want to live, really. Now, ooh, sorry, I'm <laughs> clicking on my computer. <laughs> is it the big error, Johnny? Mm -mm. 
I don't know if it's on or not. It's got the number. Technical difficulty. Which button do we press? Oh, I had such great slides. The light's working. Hopefully it is. Awesome. So I, this is a meme that I got, and I thought it was hilarious. I sent it to a few people, and I was going to send it to Pastor John, and I thought, no, I'm just going to put it in my presentation. So it's Jesus saying, Happy New Year. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but the reason why I wanted to put this in, obviously, it's the new year. But you know what? I think we all have an opportunity to have new ears, to, to hear something new and to learn something different. So I just thought that was hilarious. Oh, look at that. So now, uh, on previous talks that I've had, I always use this diagram, and I know this is a little bit different. This is one that was shared with me, and I just think it, for myself, it really kind of helps to, to really simplify things, right? It's so easy to get complicated and to really think, but the more I can make it simple for myself, the more I, the more it's, I, I like it. Anyways, um, but just the, the nature of, of the... Um, um, you know, uh, uh, the way that we are created. We are created to be in communion with God, right? And so the Holy Spirit, that's God down on our spirit. So we're supposed to be, the God, God is supposed to have influence on our spirit. Our spirit has the influence on our soul, and our soul has the influence on the body, right? And so has authority over it. So these are levels of hierarchy. So our body really should be subservient to our mind, will, emotion. Our, our mind, will, emotion needs to be subservient to our spirit, right? And not our spirit, obviously, to the, to the Holy Spirit. But, um, yeah, our soul basically broken down into mind, will, and emotions, as you guys know. And I had to change up my slides because I used a PowerPoint program and all the diagrams and pictures that I used where <laughs> you had to pay for. I didn't know that. And so when I tried to download it, I had to change all the pictures. So, so that's why we were a little late, too, this morning trying to retain things. So that's supposed to be a little pitchfork. So that's where the enemies has its, has, that's where he wants to attack, right? He wants to attack the mind because where can he attack? He can't. God, he wants to influence us, right? And so how he influences us is through our mind. That's how he can interact with that seniority. So if he can have authority over our mind, guess what he affects? Will, motion in the body. He gets everything downstream, right? And so that's why the mind is such a strong battlefield for us. Uh, 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 sorry, next slide. There we go. So I'm going to be talking about the mind today. That's the big thing. And so... The mind is different than the brain. We have to keep that in, in track or keep that in perspective, right? Because there's the physical brain and then there's the mind, which is how we think, right? Mind can be added to the heart and all that. There's, there's more aspects. We actually have more, if you think about it, most people don't know this, but we have more neurons in our digestive tract than we have in our brain. And we have just as many neurons in our heart as we have in our brain. So when you say mind, you're actually incorporating the heart the, the gut, the brain, you know, all that, <clears throat> all the neurolo neurology and the way that you think and all that, that, that aspect of it, that is, is encompasses the, the mind itself, really. So, but the physical brain is a structure, but um, one has a play on the other. So the mind does have an effect on the brain, or the brain has an effect on the mind. So meaning structure does influence function. Okay. So as I talk today, I'm going to be talking a lot about the mind, 
and I'm going to be talking about the brain, I'm just going to use those interjected in together, right? So I just want you to get caught up in the anatomy and the physiology and all that kind of stuff. So that's what all those things are trying to say. There we go. Now, we're going to go into a little bit of science. Hopefully, you guys aren't asleep yet. So we're going to talk about brain development. So the reason why I want to talk about brain development is we see something that very much mirrors our Christian development, which is pretty cool. So as we, are, as we developed, so, you know, when the two half cells came together, right? It says in the Bible, God took dirt, breathed life into it, right? That's, this, that's our, our, his spirit being breathed into us, right? Those cells start to divide, and the first organ system that develops is the nervous system, primarily the spinal cord. The spinal cord starts to form. And then from the spinal cord, you develop the brain stem, which scientists, I use the primitive brain. I don't like that. That's evolutionary thought. I, but we use it just because it's just common knowledge or common terminology. So it's called the primitive brain. So the brain stem develops first. And then once the brain stem develops, then your brain develops. And your brain develops from back to front and from, left, from right to left. Or left to right. I always get that mixed up. So back to front and then from one side to the other. Just think that, right? Don't quote me on the left and right because I always get confused with those two. Now, as believers, what happens to us? Well, the Christian brain development, well, number one, we connect with God, right? When you get saved, our spirit becomes connected with the, with, with, with the Holy Spirit, right? And so that connection's there. Consider that like almost like a spinal cord. And then, oh boy, our senses come alive. So the brain stem, the primitive brain, our senses come alive. So the brain stem in us physically is where we, our senses are. That's breathing, respiration, you know, sympathetic, parasympathetic, that's all in the brainstem. All the stuff that your brain doesn't have to think about that happens automatically is all in the brainstem. And then from there, guess what happens? As we mature as Christians, we get into the Word, and we start getting, we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? So we have the, the, the awakening into the Spirit, right? And so the Word and the Spirit starts to become developed in our lives and become more and more, more, more uh, uh, functional, um, now, here's the fun stuff, and this is the stuff that I really want to spend a little bit of time on, <clears throat> because there's so many different little areas that we can go with this. Now, the brain actually, obviously, as it develops, you know, it's back to front, but we have two halves. We have the left side and the right side. Now, how many people here, well, we kind of actually got to see it today. We saw a lot of right-brained right people today. They're all the people that were on the stage today, because... That's the art side. The left brain is what we call the science side, okay? So analytical, logic, language, math, fine detail, writing, checklists. All those things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis are left side. Now, which, actually, let me jump ahead and then, I'll, and then we'll kind of dive into it a little bit better. Now, those, that's the good positive side of the left brain, okay? Those are all good things, but there's some negative attached to it. The left brain also controls happiness, but also depression, anxiety, worry, selfish, self-serving, anger, bitterness, resentment, vengeful, revenge, apathy, lies to you, unnecessary facts, black and white. So what lies to you means is, you know, when someone says, well, you know, you're, I, uh, that person must be thinking this about me because they looked at me weird. That's left brain. So that's the lying to you. That's all left brain, right? The left brain also promotes your sympathetics, fight or flight, and the Th1 type, Th2 response. That's an immunological response. There's two major immunological responses that we have in our body, Th1, Th2. I'm not going to go into the detail. One's called humoral, mediated, one's cellular. 
TH2 would be, uh, that would be humoral-mediated response. That's the kind of response that our, our immune system does when you get exposed to a path, um, uh, like a microbe, um, more of like a fungus, a toxin, that kind of a stuff. And sorry if I'm talking fast, guys. This is, I'm just trying to give you the details so we can get into the fun stuff. <laughs> now, the good thing, this is the other side. This is the right side, okay? Right side, this is the artistic. So these were the musicians tonight. So it's play, art, music, creativity, imagination, intuition, insight, music, muscle awareness. So that's posture, where you are in space. Big picture, adventure, healing, voice tone, cross crawl, hugs. Empathetic, memory, joy, faith, hope, laughter, manners, selfless, serving others, optimism, willing to change. And this side stimulates the parasympathetic and the TH1 response. TH1 is basically what we're, our immune system that deals with viruses and bacteria and that kind of stuff. Now, what side sounds a lot better? <laughs> the right side, right? Now, what side is our society dealing with, or what do we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis? The left side, right? So majority of us are what we call left side dominant. And so what that means is even if you're an artistic person, guess what happens? The world brings you down to the left, right? And so our body's always constantly being pulled to that left side. Now, um, what side do you think would be associated with heaven to earth? <laughs> and what side would you think would be dealing with earth to heaven, right? Now, you guys kind of pick it up right now. And that's the exciting thing and the thing that gets me really pumped up is starting to see this, right? Guess what that means? We can start dealing with the right side, start promoting the right side and inhibiting the left side, right? Which is kind of cool. And we're going to talk about that and we're, we're going to do some fun stuff today. Now, I love this meme. Homeostasis. Now, most people don't know what this word is. Uh, it basically means balance. It means being in perfect equilibrium, you know? So it's like a thermostat. Think, if you think homeostasis, think thermostat. So we have a thermostat in this room, and if the temp someone opens up all the doors, guess what's going to happen? The temperature's going to go down. And John Jeff's, his temperature's going to go up. So the temperature goes down, the thermostat kicks in, right? And his temperature goes, John Jeff's temperature goes up because the heating bills are going to go up because the, the, the furnace is going to have to kick in to heat up the place, right? And if it gets too hot, guess what? The thermostat kicks in, John Jeff's temperature goes down because guess what? The temperature's gonna go down and the fueling bills are gonna go, <laughs> heating bills are gonna go down, right? And so it's, it's the mechanism that keeps us in perfectly balanced. God created us to be in balance. We need to be perfectly balanced left and right because guess what? We need to communicate, right? We need to do those things that are left that are positive on a day-to-day -day basis without being pulled into all those negative things. And that's where the balance comes in. Now, and that's true for everything in our body. So not only just the nervous system, our immunological responses. Um, I could spend a lot of time because guess what? The last two years, guess what that was doing? If you think about it, if the left system drives us to one side of the immune response, guess what? The media, guess what? Being locked together, being, guess what? Seeing separate, guess what? Do you think that's going to make us more balanced or out of balanced? Out of balance, absolutely, right? So we've just come out of two years of training our brain and our body to be out of balance, right? On top of, you know, I'm 40, I'm turning 49 in April. It's crazy. Um, 49 in April, 49 years of being left-brained, right? No matter how much, the world's constantly trying to bring us to the left. There we go. Now, here's my hypothesis, and I'm going to go this real fast because it just, I don't know. My wife's like, maybe you shouldn't spend too much time on that one. But I just find it fascinating. Um, 
So we know the Tower of Babel, right? So what happened? So in Genesis 11, 1 to 9, I won't read it all for you, but I'll kind of like highlight a few things. So obviously this is after the flood, right? Man was starting to, to, to reproduce on the earth. They're starting to grow and, or starting to, to multiply. And they came together and it was Imrod, uh, 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 Nimrod, right? Nimrod was the one who developed this. And if you want to do any research on Nimrod, it's very fascinating stuff, very interesting interesting and in not a very nice way, uh, Nimrod. Um, anyways, and so he was on the head of this, and they said to one another, head by Nimrod, come, let us make bricks and bake them until they're hard. So they, they, they used bricks for stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower whose top reaches into heaven. So let's make a name for ourselves, or else we will be scattered over the face of the whole land. Well, obviously, what happened? The flood happened, right? So they were trying to create, basically, their own escape plan if God ever made a flood again. So that was one of the things. Other researchers say they were trying to make a, a portal between to break into the spiritual world, all that kind of stuff. So we, you can really dive deep into it if you like. So what happened? Well, then Adonai, I read, Annie and I, we read from the TLV version, the Tree of Life version, and it's just, it's more of a Hebrew Bible, so it has like the Hebrew verbs and all the rest. I'll, I'll kind of translate for you a few for uh, today. Then Adonai came down to see the city and the tower that the sons of man had built. Adonai said, look, the people are all, are all, are one and all of them have the same language. So this is what they, so this is what they have begun to do, right? Now, nothing they plan to do will be impossible. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand each other's language. So Adonai scattered them from there over the face of the entire earth and they stopped building the city. Yeah, yeah, and you can keep going on. My theory is, is when man sinned, and again, I'm not a theologian. This is, I'm just looking as a doctor, looking at the brain and the, the, the effects of the physical effect of, of anatomy and physiology. When Adam sinned, what happened? We got separated, you know, our spirit got, got severed, right? We didn't have that connection. He lost the connection with the spiritual world, right? He became a physical body and the physical body introduced death to the world. I think that at Babel, what God did was, I think, if you think of, well, let me take a step back for a second. We are very, the way we look at the past, I think, is wrong, right? We look at previous cultures, previous generations, and think, well, you know what? They were back in the day. They must not have known this. They must not have been so smart, right? I think Adam was a super genius, right? Because he could talk, he could think both sides of his brain. He had full capacity, right? And I also believe that Noah probably had really amazing capacity, right? Connection. And so, so here's descendants of Noah after the flood. Even though they're spiritually connected, I think they were still pretty balanced, left and right. And I think that's what God did at Babel to separate the languages, to cut the left and the right, or to make them real distinct, or maybe inhibited the flow between left and right. I don't know. These are all just kind of ideas that I have because left side's language, right? And God separated the language. So the language from the creativity, I don't know. That's my theory. And that's kind of, kind of, because it makes sense to me, actually. Um, let's go. All right, now this is the, this is the, I didn't want to call my talk Jesus and the Demon-Possessed Man from 
<laughs> Jersey, and I don't think that would be a very great topic. But this is the verse that God really downloaded to me when, when uh, the morning before Pastor John uh, uh, spoke to me about uh, about speaking. So, uh, Mark five one to twenty. So we're going to dive into this a little bit differently, and this is the one that um, I think there's a there's a lot that we can unpack. There we go. So yeah. So let's. I'll read. I'll read most of this. So. So they came to the other side of the sea into the county, the country of uh, Gerasenes. As soon as Yeshua got out of the boat, a man from the graveyard with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but the chains had been ripped apart by him and shackles broken. No one was strong enough to tame him, and through it all, night and day, at the graveyard and in the mountains, he kept screaming and gnashing himself with stones. When he saw Yeshua from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, crying out with a loud voice. He said, what's between you and me, Yeshua ben Elion? That means uh, um, um, Yeshua, uh, son, son of the, the Lord Most High. I'm warning you. It's amazing how he knows who he's talking to, right? Um, I'm warning you in the name of God, do not torment, him, torment me. For Yeshua had said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Yeshua began to question him. And it's interesting, he says this, right? So what is your name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, let me pause there for a second. Is there something similar to what we're seeing in our society right now? What did the demon-possessed man say? He basically gave him his pronouns. Well, Jesus, my name is them, they. Interesting, eh? I saw that jumped out at me right now, because what are we dealing with right now? What is the biggest issue that we're dealing with online and all the rest? People's identity. You're going to call me by this, that, and the other, right? Fascinating way back. Um, so my name is Legion, for we are many. And look at how he was dressed. He was naked in the thing. He was totally not ashamed, <clears throat> screaming, crying, all that kind of stuff. That sounds like a lot of different things that we are seeing in our cultural that's actually becoming not only just accepted, but promoted in our society. Interesting, eh? So he, became, he kept begging them not to send them out of the country. Now, interesting too, eh? He didn't want to leave. Now, a large herd of pigs, and we're going to touch on that in a second, or in a little bit. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding on a, hill, in a, on a hillside nearby. The unclean spirit urged him, saying, send us to the pigs so we may enter them. So Yeshua gave them permission. The unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the cliff and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen ran away and told the town in the countryside, and they came to see what had happened. Now, they came to Yeshua and saw the madman who had had the legion. He was sitting, sitting there, dressed in clothes and in his right mind. The people were scared. No kidding. Those that had, been, had seen it described in detail what had happened to the man plagued by a demon. They also told about the pigs, and they began to beg Yeshua to leave their country. As he began, as he, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been infested with the demons kept begging to remain with him. Yeshua did not let him, but told them, go home to your friends and tell them how much Adonai has done for you, how he showed you mercy. <clears throat> so he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how, how much Yeshua had done for him, and all were amazed. Pretty fantastic. Now, there's a few things that really jumped out at me, right? Um, and this is the, the, the verse that really hit me, was when they came to Jesus, they saw the man <clears throat> who had been possessed by the legion of demons, and he was sitting there dressed in his right mind. Fascinating, eh? Now, I looked up the research, and 
And you could spend some time Googling, and you may know more than I. I don't know. You probably know more than me about this stuff. This is not my kind of thing. Language and history is my wife's cup of tea. She loves, she loves, loves, loves that research. She's such an amazing researcher. Um, not me. Um, so, but I did try to do a dive into it, and I couldn't find the basis of when someone says you're in their right mind. So I think it just means just, just phonetically, just like you're in your correct mind. But I'm wondering, maybe in generations they did know what the right mind meant, right? Right mind versus left mind. I don't know. I was just throwing that out there. But, but here he was sitting in his right mind, right? In his correct mind. And then when we look at where he was previous to that. So obviously he was demon-possessed, right? The demon had complete control. But you look at his behavior. He had bitterness, depression, anger, selfish, revenge, language. He was screaming, right? Lies, you know, apathy, didn't care about anyone else. You know, like all of the same physical uh, um, uh, emotions and characteristics that you find in what side of the brain? <laughs> the left brain, right? And so no wonder the demon probably was happy in the left brain and wanted to be in the left brain because that's where they probably could have more, more domination versus you look at the right brain. He's sitting at Jesus' feet. Faith, <clears throat> hope, love, joy, manners, optimism, empathy, laughter. Pretty amazing, eh? What a transformation. And I'm going to dive into a little bit more of the detail in there, but there's a couple of things, and this is just me. I get on rabbit trails. <laughs> it's very, I don't know, I think it's a good thing, right? Maybe it's just, you know, God leading you a certain way. But I always wondered, God, why the pigs? <laughs> like, seriously, why, why would the demons want to go to the pigs, right? So uh, this, we're going to take a little bit of sidetrack in this one here. But, um, but fascinating, when you start looking and do some research, I didn't know this, but pigs have... They're basically, their brains are equivalent to, a, to a, um, an infant, structurally and physiologically. So, the reason why I know this is, you know, when you're doing experiments, they can't, you can't do actually a physical experiment on a kid's brain, but what do you do? So, researchers use pigs' brains to, to, to simulate uh, uh, an infant's brains because they're, they function exactly the same way, right? Interesting. Now... Matthew 7, 6, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, that verse kind of jumps at me, because that's the other pig, big pig verse, right? <laughs> and so, now, have you ever had an argument with a young child? <laughs> or, I put in brackets, somebody online, seriously, Okay. And that's why you don't throw pearls before swine, right? Seriously. I have this one, and my wife said, don't tell this story, but I'm going to have to tell the story because it's too funny. Because I'm like, why am I? And we get, we literally, my son, he's six years old. We still have this argument to this day. He loves watching this movie, Yogi Bear, right? Just a silly movie. It's the new remake, whatever, right? Loves the movie. And, and he's like, Dad, can I watch Komodi Bear? He calls it Komodi Bear. I'm like, it's Yogi Bear. He says, no, no, Dad, it's Komodi Bear. I'm like, well, what's the name of the bear in the movie? He says, the bear's name is Yogi. I'm like, well, don't you think the movie should be called Yogi Bear? He said, no, it's called Komodi Bear. I'm like, well, his name's Yogi. Why is it called Komodi? Because it's called, and we literally, 
hours I've spent in my life arguing about Yogi Bear. And it's the same for, because for, for the most part, guess what? With kids, because of the brain development, they haven't had the full frontal brains have developed, right? When you're talking to somebody online, when you get in those little comments, right? We all do this, right? I have restricted myself not to leave any messages because I just like, it just, it's, I'd lose it, right? The reason, what do we do? You get into the emotional part of your brain. Your front brain shuts down. So not even left and right. That's not even firing, right? You're all emotion. Because kids, pigs, right? Online critics, they're only thinking in the back part of the brain. And what's that? Breathing, alive, emotion. Now, have you ever had an experience where um, something happened, you got super, super, super duper mad? <laughs> what happens? You forget everything that's going on. You, someone asks you a question, you can't remember it, all the rest. Why? Because when you get angry and when you get emotional, guess what happens to the blood in your brain? It shunts the blood from the front part to the brain stem for fight or flight, the sympathetics. Remember I mentioned that a little earlier. So your sympathetics basically are designed to protect you physically, right? So if you're in a position of danger, your body needs to get in a spot where it can run or fight, right? And so your shoulders go up, you get angry. They always talk about the running or a bear. Bear attacks you. That's usually the, the analogy. So when your blood is getting shot into that area, your sympathetics are firing, brain doesn't develop, right? And your body kind of reacts into that, that type of reaction. So even if you have the most profound answer to that person online, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to even listen to you. They're not going to even read it because their language centers aren't even working. Their writing sections aren't working. So that's why, you know, for the most part, Pearl Before Swine, or uh, Pearls Before for, for Swine, yeah. You're just kind of, you're, you're, you're wasting it. Now, if they are anything, they're going to be less side dominant, right, for the most part, but basically sympathetic brainstem, yeah. Now, very, very fascinating. Now, here's another interesting, interesting thing I want to touch on, just came to me right now is when I talked about homeostasis, right? Left side, right side, right? Left brain is a language, right side's creative, right? We should be in perfect balance. Now, the reason why God's created us to be in perfect balance is so that we can react and come back to normal. If you're out of balance, guess what happens? When you get put into a stressful situation, guess what side you have a tendency to lean more to? To the left side. So that's why... Um, you know, and then we all do this, right? This happens to us, and this is so, so common in our society, we don't even think about it. Someone stubs their toe, what do they do? You say something, right? Language, you say something, you know, it's, some, it's, and it's a very natural reaction, and it happens to all of us, right? The reason is, is in our society, we are left brain dominant, so we will lean that way. So whatever way you're leaning, you're going to react in that response or respond in that type of way, versus right brain, like I'm not going to say you... Start to dance after you stub your toe, but your ability to handle is going to be a lot different, right? For and that and that's true for for all of us, right? Like I'm just I'm not pointing any fingers. If you feel guilty, it's not my fault. So now here's something that's very fascinating. My wife really pointed this out, which I don't know if she really realized this or not, but um, but pigs were actually the primary animal of sacrifice for all the pagan religions back in. Biblical times, right? And so there's obviously with the with the Hebrew, uh, the, the the Jewish, you know, church, you know, 
God set aside, you know, you have the doves and you have the, the bulls and the goats and all that kind of stuff, right? For the different traditions, pagans didn't do that. They were focused mainly on pigs. So when you look at the, the desolation of the, of the church with that one of the, the I think it's the Roman, Roman I kind of go into a place that I don't, I'm not very familiar with. I'm looking at my wife, <laughs> where he sacrificed the pig in the altar. The Maccabees, with the Maccabees, right? Why it was such a, uh, it, uh, it was such an awful thing for, for, the, for the Jewish people, right? Because obviously pigs are unclean. But for him, it, he didn't, I, and it's interesting because he probably never did it maliciously. That's just how they sacrificed. They just sacrificed pigs, right? And so pigs were the primary animal in pagan sacrifices. So isn't it interesting when you think about that story now? So here's these demons, and they're like, Jesus, there's some pigs over there. Can you send us to those pigs? For one thing, why would they be acceptable for those demons to go into? It has a brain that's like a human brain, right? So there may be in that outlet. I don't know, but that's a possibility. But the humor of God. So here's these pagan religions that, religions that raise those pigs and most likely raise those pigs for sacrifice because when we talk a little bit about the history of the area, they would have been sacrificed to those demons. So here's those demons going into those pigs, and guess what those pigs do? <laughs> they kill themselves, they sacrifice themselves instead of allowing the demons inside of them. So I think it's kind of like a little very twist on the ear of, of what this culture would have naturally done with those, with those animals. Now, historically, and again, this is a kind of a little bit more continuing my... my, my, um, my, my little rabbit trail. I just found this really fascinating. So, you know, just um, give me a little bit of freedom on this one just as I go this way. I promise we'll go back to the left and right brain. But when you look at the history of the area, Babel and the plains of Shinar versus the Jezreel, which is the plateau of Bashan. Now, we already talked about the Tower of Babel, right? Where God separated the language, right? He broke up the languages of the people. Jezreel, that's where... That's where the, this, this demon-possessed man was. Now, the area was off the plateau of Bashan. Does that name sound familiar? You remember Og of Bashan? No? Okay. So, when the Israelites came and they came into the promised land, right, they conquered the kings and the kingdoms that were in Israel. Israel was basically, what did the Israelites say when they went to the promised land? We can't take them. They're giants, right? They look at us like grasshoppers. How are we actually ever going to attack them or, or take over them, right? And so there was giants in the land. <clears throat> so the giants, as the Israelites started taking the land, as God led them through, they started winning the different areas, conquering those kings, take, killing the, the giants, right? The northern territory of, of uh, Jerusalem or Israel was really, really loaded with... Um, Here's a, here's a better picture of it, um, was loaded with um, a lot of those giants. So King, the Og of Bashan, what does it say in the Bible? He had a bed that was so many cubits long, and it was so much wide. So basically what they're saying, the king was a giant, right? Og of Bashan. So when you look at these areas, I don't know how to do the little pointy thing. I'm not even going to try, should I do Oh, there it is. So yeah, so there's Jezreel right at the top of northern Israel. That's where they say the Tower of Babel was, which is along the um, uh, plains of Shinar. So it's very similar, very close to the plains of Shinar, which is very sim symbolic or very important biblical history-wise when it comes to the, you know, areas where we're of spiritual significance, right? 
you had the, the giants who lived in that area. So I just found it fascinating that, you know, here, an area where um, God separated the language from left to right is a place where he brought a guy's brain back together left and right. I just found that very fascinating, right? Same area, same specific thing, and the similarities between those two, those two uh, stories. So that's probably what you're thinking. <laughs> so there's a really reason. So yeah, so as I said, the place of, of left-right brain separation became the place of left-right brain healing. And Jesus went out of his way, right? Isn't that amazing when you hear that story, when you read that story, that God specifically went out of his way to meet that man. He knew where he was going. He knew who he was going to go deal with and talk to. He wasn't afraid, right? And it was basically was a stop and then left, right? Like, talk about a missionary trip into another, another country for the most part. And God wants us to be, be, be set free. He wants, to have us, he wants us to have a balanced brain, Man, I'm really flying through this. I think I skipped some stuff. Oh, my gosh. Um, I might jump back on some of the things. We're going to go back to the left and right brain stuff. So, um, you guys are so quiet today. My goodness. So, homework. So, we're going to talk about homework, and then we're going to do a little bit of, a, a little bit of something together. So... <laughs> Number one, wake up, <laughs> right? And what I mean by that, and I don't want to be, 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 be mean or, or, or accusatory or anything like that, but most of us, for the most part, we've lived so long in a left brain world that it's hard for us to even imagine living in a right brain. And that's the one thing, and that's the one take home, the most important take home I want for, for everyone to get today is really to, to recognize that there is that thing. A story about myself is um, uh, the more I'm getting into it, it was, you know, Christmas is really super busy, right? We are running around. We're trying to get stuff done. We're trying to, you know, get all the groceries and get all the presents and all that kind of stuff. And what's all that stuff? That's that preparation, the list taking, the getting it done, the stress, you know, all the anxiety, the fear of, oh, my gosh, are we going to get it done? How is this going to happen? That's all left brain, right? And I remember just going and thinking, man, I really need to get, like, I talked to my assistant, and I, and I really didn't realize until I got an adjustment, and there's a special right side brain adjustment that we do, and it was like, oh my gosh, I was so stuck in my left brain, I didn't even know it. But I'm starting to recognize the more that I see that and more that I can know that I'm in left brain, I can do the things that counter the right left brain, right? And that's some of the things that you're going to do. So the thing, actively do this, things that you can actively do to subvert the right brain, worship, this morning was an amazing, and Bob, thank you so much. You did, you were just right on. Um, the worship was so amazing. Like just even for Tim playing, like noodling, and 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 Daryl, you know, the little bit of the solos. They were just that's all right brain. I'm sitting there going, man, this is a perfect worship day, because um, that was so so worship. And the vision time, Pastor John talking about doing our yearly vision, right? unbelievable goals, setting goals, big picture stuff, right? That's all, all right brain. You know, um, you know, greeting each other, hug, you know, serving, you know, giving, pray, paint, play music, meditation, move, exercise, dream. Those are all right, right brain things, things that we literally should be doing on a day-to-day basis. And the more we do them, the, the better. <clears throat> now, here's one that's very practical, and I always like to have practical stuff, and it's using the left hand. Now, why the left hand? <laughs> it sounds strange, right? And I get my patients to do it. And even for me, it's like I always forget. 
but the left side, left hand stimulates the right brain. So if you're using the left brain, guess what that does? It wakes up the brain. So neurologically, and I didn't prepare to, to say this, this is just something that, that it just happens. When you don't use it, you lose it, right? You've heard that before. The way that our bodies are designed is, is when you don't use it, neurologically that body starts going into hibernation. Now, have you ever experienced where you weren't feeling too great? Or maybe the Super Bowl weekend. I don't know when to watch Super Bowl here. But, but you, you lie on the couch, right? And you're watching, maybe you watch a movie. And it just feels so great. You're just like, this is amazing. I feel so relaxed. I feel so comfortable. Fantastic, right? And then your spouse says, can you come over here and just kind of pick up this or bring the glass in the kitchen? You're like, oh, do I have to, right? And you have to use all your effort just to get off the couch to do that silly little thing about bring your dish in. Has that happened to anyone here? <laughs> My wife's going to say it happens to me all the time because <laughs> it happens to me all the time, right? What that is is your body's reclining, you're relaxing. So guess what happens? Your brain starts saying, well, okay, you don't need to have stimulation to all your extremities because you're not walking. So we're going to slow that down. Oh, you know what? You're not really thinking very much. So that's not going to have to work, right? Oh, you don't need this. Oh, we'll shut that down, right? Oh, so you don't even need digestion. We'll slow that down too as well. And so basically all your brain is doing is just doing whatever's necessary just to keep you alive because you're not putting any demand on your system. And <clears throat> so that's where exercise, part of exercise is. Most exercise, and here's the thing is I think that we get totally wrong. Exercise is not about getting stronger. It, well, obviously it is, but the main purpose, really stronger, more flexible, all that stuff, fantastic. That's wonderful. But true exercise is exercise that's waking up your brain and training your brain, right? So getting your body out and moving, getting it active. I'm going to throw Pastor John under the bus. Pastor John, Pastor Victoria, they just got snowshoes. Haha. Uh -huh. Now you all know so you can keep them accountable to snowshoe. <laughs> snowshoe this one. We need some snow. I know. I'm so bummed out. I'm so bummed out. <clears throat> Snowshoeing, fantastic exercise because <clears throat> it's cross crawl, right? You're using your thing. Now, do you guys remember last talk? I, one of the exercises I gave you all and you're all doing right? Is the marching in place, right? And the reason why marching in place is good is left, right, brain, right? Doing that cross patterning. So you're training the brain to bounce from left to right, left to right, left to right, all the time, right? Um, so anything that you can do with the left hand will stimulate that right side of the brain. So your right brain, because you're not using it, guess what happens? You're losing it, right? For the most part. Well, not really, but it's just, it's just basically getting quiet. We need to wake it up. So left hand. So... I recommend this. I haven't been able to do it because, to be honest, by the time it gets the afternoon or the evening when I brush my teeth, I forget. Brush your teeth with the left hand if you're right hand. Hard. It's going to be hard, right? Brush the teeth with the left with hand. Um, you know, um, if you see somebody and you're going for a walk, you're snowshoeing, and you see somebody, wave with your left hand. <laughs> right? Because that's going to stimulate the right. It's weird because naturally you're going to do this, right? When you're... When someone's talking, now here's, this is getting into a little bit of the finite stuff, but when you're, someone's talking to you, try to listen with your head tilted to the left. Because whatever head you're tilted f f uh, uh, away, so if my head's tilted to the, to the right, neurologically, in functional neurology, we say that you're presenting the world with your left brain, your left prefrontal cortex. And if you're in the right, you're the right prefrontal cortex. And if you think about it, when you're talking, it's hard to, it's hard to talk and be on the right, right? Because we're so geared towards doing that, right? 
So, and you'll start noticing people when you're talking to them. If you're talking to them and they're really, and they're really engaging, and if they're starting to think in question, they'll go to the left. Interesting, eh? So body movements and that, you can start picking up on people just basically just on their head movement alone. But if you use it for your benefit, guess what? You do the opposite side, and you can actually stimulate that part of your brain, the right side of the brain. Now, here's the thing. Limited activities that promote the left, left brain overstimulation. <clears throat> so what is that? Let me just get some water quick. So yeah, <clears throat> so yeah. So the try to limit the, the activities that promote the left brain overstimulation. So what's that? I'm not telling you guys to not stop to stop talking. That's not where we're going. But what promotes the left side? Fear. You know what I mean? Negative news. News in general. Passive sitting in front of the TV, in front of the screen. I'm guilty of it too as well, right? Um, <clears throat> all that kind of stuff. That always is negative talk, right? If we're always talking negative, guess what we're promoting? Negative, right? You know, you know, the old saying, look on the bright side. Well, really, truly, that is key to proper brain health, right? Looking on the bright side, thinking about that kind of stuff. I always, it always amazed me when I, when I read that. And this is funny because, you know, being born and raised in the church, always, um, when you read the Old Testament and they talk about the Levitical laws and they say, um, you know, um, God has the dictated the specific things that they're supposed to do. And this is, and so if you read it, it's quite, I find it kind of comical actually. And God says, you're going to come at this time, you're going to do this, you're going to gather and you're going to have a great time. <laughs> really? You know what I mean? You're going to celebrate, you're going to worship, you're going to, you know, all this. And I'm just like, I always thought about it. I'm like, isn't that weird that God would dictate something like that's kind of like, it's kind of pushy, right? Like, I used to always think that way. Well, why would God always dictate that you have to come and worship? You have to come and celebrate. You have to come and have a good time, right? After you've done all these things. But what's God saying? I want you to prepare yourself so that we can stimulate. If, you, if I tell you to do it and force you to do it, well, guess what happens? They start stimulating your brain, and it's like that snowball effect. That starts to become developed. That starts to become part of the culture. That becomes part of their lifestyle. That becomes part of who they are, right? <clears throat> you know, as a kid, you know, having to come to church and being forced to sit and, and do worship and all the rest. And most young kids are like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? I got a thousand things to do, right? But those habits that we learned being forcing our kids, guess what? That's what God did with the Israelites. He forced them to do stuff because he knew what was best for them, Right? He knew that to develop the right brain would be so valuable and so important for their health, their well-being, their function, their success, right? You know, you talk about, you know, in, in, in um, salvation, right? And in the Western world, we are so off the mark as far as what the true definition of, you know, salvation is, right? You know, or, or shalom. Look at shalom, right? That, that, the Hebrew word shalom, right? You know, you know, is peace, right? But it means peace. It means it's every area of your life. We talk about salvation. We talk about, okay, this is going to get us to heaven. But we've missed the mark, right? Heaven to earth. You know, salvation means salvation in your, in your physical body, in your emotional body, in your financial body, in your relational body, right? Um, every area of your life needs to be saved, right? And so that's where, I, that's where the right brain is so, so, so important is because the more we get in the right brain, the more we be balanced, the more we can actually celebrate that. Now, I think we're going to try something. Do you have time, Pastor John? Ten minutes. Okay. <clears throat>
Now, I don't have a slide ready for this. I was going to do a slide, and, and God told me to put the slide on there. I didn't do it just because I thought it was bragging. But I'll tell you the story. <clears throat> Ten years ago, because it's 2022, uh, November 21, 2022, there's a couple of really amazing things in my life. You know how you have the, the, the milestones where you're like, you'll never forget. You have good ones and you have bad ones, right? There's some that I just, the bad ones you don't like. But the good ones you're, are, are ones that you always want to look back on and just like, we're... we're Incredible life-changing events. When I got married, right? When I graduated chiropractic college. Walking on a cloud. I couldn't even tell you anything that happened. It was just like the best day ever. The day that Ezra was born. That was kind of good and bad, actually. <laughs> we'll tell Ezra. That was a miracle. He's a miracle baby. Um, but the one, th the one thing that I'll never forget, and it sounds kind of weird, but was my Ironman race. Ten years ago in November, I did my first full Ironman. I've done a lot of half Ironmans, but it's my full first full Ironman. Anyways, if you don't know what an Ironman is, the full Ironman distance race, it's a 4K swim, 180K bike ride, and a 42K run. Back to back to back to back on the same day. <laughs> and you have a time limit to get it done. You have to get in by 12 midnight. So I finished in 11 hours and 45 minutes, I think it was, which is pretty good. For the first time, I think that was pretty good. I don't know. The pros do it in nine hours, but it's, yeah, I'm not a pro. Um, but... The finish shoot on my, the race, basically, the way that it was geared was we, I did it in Mont Tremblant, and we basically ran up Mont Tremblant, and then the finish line was coming down the main strip, and then it shot to the left to go to the finish line, and if you weren't done, you had to go to the right and do another 20-kilometer run. So that was one of the hardest things, seeing the finish line and having to run another 20K. I, I like, I, I nearly... I literally was crying on the road <laughs> to do another 20 kilometers. But running down that last final shoot, even though I did a 4K swim and a 100K bike ride, and, a f and I was on 41-kilometer run. It was on the last kilometer, literally, down this road. It's amazing, after all that energy, I had such a burst of juice that I was knocking people over to get to that finish line, right? And, and the funny thing, and this is the, 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 the craziest thing, and I have absolutely no recollection of any of this. I ran down the chute and I high-fived my family the whole way. And I got to the finish line and afterwards I was like, where were you? I didn't see you. <laughs> and they're like, um, you high-fived us? And I'm like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, yes, you did. And the reason why I didn't know is my focus and my attention was so much on that finish line and I was just so excited to get there, right? A few, about a year ago, I had a vision. I haven't even shared this with Annie. I was, uh, it basically happened in the morning. I woke up and often my little guy, he climbs into bed. And, um, you know, he wakes us up and then, you know, you fall back to sleep. But it's you know, only an hour or so to, you know, before I have to get up. I get up at 4.59 every morning. I haven't been during the holidays, but I'm going to get back on it tomorrow. And so I only had maybe an hour or so to sleep, right? And so God often, you know, it's that, that awake asleep time when God really speaks, right? And so he gave me this really powerful vision. And in the vision, I was in the middle of the street. Now, granted, this was, remember, this was in the middle of COVID. Everything was shut down, total uncertainty. We had no idea what was going on. And in, in this vision, I was in the middle of the street in my town. And my arms were up. And I was celebrating just like I did when I finished that Ironman. And when I finished that Ironman, it was the most amazing feeling because it was 
12 and a half, 13 hours of torture, right? To get to that end, right? My body was so happy. I was happy. There was nothing close to it. And I always tell people finishing an Ironman is as close to finishing, is, is, is the closest you're going to get to experience getting into heaven as you on earth anywhere, right? Because it's so, because you have to suffer so much to get to that point of victory. And so here, God gave me this vision of me celebrating in the middle of the street, in the middle of COVID. And I was like, God, I don't get it. I don't like this, right? Because I can't do any of it. And I struggled with it and I chewed on it and all the rest. And, and as I was preparing for this, this um, presentation, God brought back into my mind because he said, that's how I should have been living during all of COVID, right? Because we don't live by sight, right? We don't live by the things that we see. We live by what God is, what Pastor John, everything that he read, right, before, before the service. That's where we're supposed to live, right? How do we live that? Right brain. So what I want to do, and if you don't want to do this, that's okay. <clears throat> I think this would be a fantastic opportunity for us to exercise our right brain a little bit. So I want you all to stand up. <clears throat> and we're going to do, have you ever been to the hockey game? Jay's game. I remember a pastor telling me this, and I was like, I, when I was young, I was like, so cheesy. But, but, you know, now I go on and watch these games, and I can't cheer, because I'm like, I can't cheer for a goal, that, and not cheer for God the same way on a Sunday morning. I feel incongruent, right? And so, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm finished background, you know, Canadian, right? Very subdued, right? Come from a Jewish-Ukrainian background, very subdued, very quiet. Oy vey, oy vey, right? That's how I was raised, right? And so it's hard for me to be emotional. But I think that's the way that God wants us to be. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a few seconds, and we're just going to raise our arms up, and we're just going to celebrate as if you finished an Ironman race, you're crossing over to the pearly gates, right? You're seeing your family that you haven't seen forever. You know, all those amazing things that you can ever imagine. And we're just going to spend a few minutes and we're just going to do it, right? And this lasts longer. Awesome. If it only lasts 30 seconds, that's okay, right? But wouldn't it be amazing in the morning, getting up in the morning, and before you have a cup of coffee, just do this? Wouldn't that be amazing way to wake up your day? If you're having a bad day, wouldn't that be fantastic? And I'm speaking to myself. I'm not just speaking to you guys. Like, I'm speaking to myself because, you know, what happens on a day-to-day -day basis, right? We get bombarded with stuff. What happens to your shoulders? You go into sympathetic, stress, flexion, right? You're, you're flexed versus being extended, which I talked about in the last, last time, right? Flex versus extension. We want you extended, right? Extension, right brain. Flexion, left brain, right? We want you open, open and up, right? Something happens, bad news. How about, like, instead of starting to go down the list of things that could go wrong or have gone wrong or should go wrong or might go wrong, how about, this is pretty awesome. I'm so thankful for where I am. What? God, you've got some good stuff for me. Things are going to happen, right? we got amazing things in plan. And, and for this year, 2023, like, the words that we've had over the last little while are fantastic. And you know what? There's no reason why God can't, hap can't, can't happen, right? There's no reason it's not going to come true. So if it's going to come true, then why are we acting like it's not, right? <laughs> why do we act like we're supposed to act, right? So, so let's take a few seconds. I'm going to drop the mic because I don't think you want me screaming in it. I'll leave it on. Okay. So, raise your arm. Right. 
through the gates, right? Jesus is right there. He's waiting for you. He is more excited to see you than you are excited to see him. He's jumping. He's running towards you. And on the count of three, I just want you just to show, okay? One, two, three. tuning in. Come back later this week for a message from Pastor Victoria Irving as she shares a word from the Lord this year. Hope to see you then.